Welcome to Get Big Out Loud Radio, where we explore living the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life with me, Carrie Knutson, and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are your thoughts keeping you small? Are you ready to get big? I will offer you ideas to transform what you are thinking into conscious action. Explore what is keeping you small and how to shift your behaviors in order to get big. Learn what is possible for you. Get ready to get big and live life out loud starting now. I just want to say to everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Are you ready to get big and get big out loud right now? Um, I'm excited about this show. I'm Dr. Pat. I get to I get to hang out and just sit here and listen to Carrie Knudsen. I get to sit here and just like I do the introduction. I'm going to tell you who Carrie is. And then you're going to get to hear from her because there is so much to talk about as energy is shifting and things are changing and we're looking at success or we're looking at failure. Um, uh, there was a quote from um, Star Wars movie and Yoda's quote was about failure is the greatest teacher. And yet at some times the word itself scares people. Today, we're going to hear this incredible journey that Carrie is going to put us on because that's what she does. And then later on, later on, she, I don't know if she's going to sing for us a little bit, but we're going to see where she goes with this because she is a performer. Uh, Carrie Knudsen, Get Big Out Loud. This is where we explore the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life. But more than that, she is a professional speaker, school counselor, storyteller, mom, closeted rap artist. Benny, we haven't done that yet. Uh, chronic extrovert and more. And think about this now where Carrie is. This show is to help all of us step in, step up, and step out. Carrie, great show today. I'm excited about this one, right? We're oh yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> sorry to talk over you. Thanks for the buildup, Dr. Pat. Sorry to talk over you there. Um, but I'm excited about this show because it's about living on purpose and what that can look like and what it means, what keeps us from living on purpose, um, how we cultivate courage to do it, but also like what would it what does it really mean to live on purpose? And like you said, I have a couple of stories to share about that today and some ideas around it. I'm especially excited now because I think it feels like a strange time where there's opportunity potentially, but also a lot of fear. Yeah. And we're still in a, in a weird place. I think most of us with this in between place. And I feel like this, the idea of living on purpose could act as a guide or a beacon to help us think in what direction we want to go. You know what I love about this topic, and I know you're going to talk about it. So let me kick it off with this question. Whenever I've worked with, I work with women uh, in recovery. And a lot of times when you talk about purpose, their eyes roll back. I mean, not just women in recovery, but, but you know, the women I work with, their eyes roll back and it's as if I'm asking them to think about something so daunting and overwhelming. Some days for me, my purpose had to simply do with getting up and being able to walk my dog. And so we're going to hit the realm of what living on purpose means at the macro, the micro, the universal level. 
But for you, why are we so confused or scared of the word purpose? Well, I think we've like overdone it in a way. Like a lot of times when we look at society, it has to be like a big, huge, I'm going to change the world, or I'm a leader, or I'm an extrovert, or look at this thing I've produced. And it's almost not enough just to be right? we have to be doing something. And a lot of times like this plays out, think about, and if people feeling, did you have a good day? Yeah. I got a lot of my to-do list. Not like, yeah, I showed up in the world in a good headspace, right? <laughs> equate our success with what we do, or we equate being successful by other people saying, oh, you're a success, look what you did. But it's very performative. And I think sometimes people get scared of the word purpose because purpose seems to be very performative. Like you have to do something, you know, big to have purpose. And I think we really are misguided in this idea because purpose has to be for everyone. And we need people with big audacious goals and to, you know, be those people in that, that like kind of we perceive as those go-getters. But I also think we need everyone to show up in their own lives with purpose. And like you said, I think there's a difference between intention and purpose. Like you say, my intention is to get up and walk my dog and that's all I can do today, right? That's like your intention for the day. But our purpose is bigger than just getting through the day. It's like, why... Do you show up, not just to your job, but the way you do in your life, right? So your purpose can be about connection. It can be about empathy. It could be about service, right? And your job, your J-O-B, job title, may have nothing to do with your purpose, right? right? But maybe your purpose is how you show up in the world. And a lot of times people get scared of that because it seems like we, we get well, what if I don't have a purpose or what if I fail at my purpose or what if people think my purpose is stupid um, and people don't like my purpose, right? And that kind of just really stops us from even trying to articulate yeah. it in the first place. We get really, I, I think society, the mindset of society is it can look like this or like this. And if you don't have it that way, you don't have a purpose. And it keeps people be like, well, what if my purpose? And people might say things like, you know, when you see people have really disparate interests that actually make them interesting, but they're afraid to say like, I really have a passion for this, or I really like this. Yeah. And people say, well, how are you going to make money with that? Right. How oh. are you going to make money? How are you going to pay the bills? And oh. we confuse this idea again, that work and purpose are not always the same thing. They're not. And we always don't, we don't always get paid for our purpose, but a lot of times people confuse it and like, what are you going to do with that? Okay, I got to tell you, I got to ask you a question. I want you to chime in on this. People thought I lost my mind when I was in my early 20s. And the word purpose wasn't exactly used, right? But it was the same idea. It was kind of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or, you know, like things like that, that people say to you. Back then, as people I hung out with, nobody said to me, Oh, what do you think your purpose is? They didn't say that. But I was very clear. I wanted to be first and foremost, everything else was secondary until one day it wasn't a championship table tennis player. I loved it so much. I wanted to be a professional player. Now that means like you get money for it. So the question that always came up was, what's your job? I'm like, it doesn't matter what my job is. And so what is it about that? And 
I wanted to help other young women learn the game. Now, does that mean that that's going to be my life purpose? Does that mean that that was, that's what I did until a light bulb went on and somebody said to me, you better get an undergraduate degree. So help us explain the multidimensional nature of purpose so that we all don't feel ashamed that whatever our purpose, our heart's desires are, that they're not enough. Because isn't that the pothole we step in sometimes? Oh, yes. I, I feel like so much when we, the pothole is the fear of like the judgment, right? The rejection, the embarrassment, like all those things that we're going to get if we, if we say out loud what we want. Also, you bring up a good point. It's a confusion between our job. What do you do for work? Right. And sometimes, again, it, it is not about our, our, how we pay the bills, right? Or, or sometimes it can be our job and our purpose are in perfect alignment, but many times they're not. And we get confused in the society though that is, again, performative. What is your job? What do you do? What do you produce? Um, and, and then we get confused about that. Then we get embarrassed because someone says table tennis. What's that going to do for you, right? Or when you think about, well, I got in what mine was psychology. What are you going to do with that degree? Right. And I think like, oh my God, I got that too. <laughs> what are you going to do with that degree? Get something, get something safe. And then if that's okay, you can pursue it. Right. And also I think when we're, when we're young and we're growing up, a lot of times people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And we have this pressure to have it figured out. I like the idea of, well, right now I'm doing this thing and becoming this person and evolving in this way. And even when I look at my life, I say, oh, look how this experience shaped this to change this, to add to this. And it's a journey. Most people, when they look at their lives, will say that it's a journey. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted. And then I went on my journey and I, I'm evolving. But we put this pressure on young kids. Yeah. What do you want to be growing up with you grow up? What do you want to do? And they're like, ballerina, astronaut, banker, lawyer, what would make my parents happy, right? And, and then sometimes as we get into an adult role, we think we're safe. It's a, and I call it the illusion of safety because, okay, I got a safe career that nobody questions, right? But then what happens is a lot of people are miserable in those careers because it's the facade. It's the illusion of safety. I didn't get to do you know, what I wanted to do, so I did this. Or people too could have jobs that they that they absolutely love and they're they're good at, but they're also missing living on purpose and which is having the courage also to pursue their passions. So there's a lot in there that I think it's it's not only society but it's the human psyche. We want safety, we want comfort, we want people to like us, we want to be okay. So when you're saying to me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" If I know you want me to say doctor, and I say doctor, and then you're like, "Oh, great, Carrie, good choice," <laughs> then we have a you know, our relationship, the feelings based on that. So a lot of times we give up our power to others for the simple act of feeling affirmed or loved. But again, it's the illusion of that safety. And that's why a lot of people, you know, the whole idea of take this job and shove it, or I'm out of here. Or, <laughs> you know, but it's almost like we have to get to the end point and be so extreme about it um, that I feel like that's what's missing. What if we could have this idea of, a lot of times we have to do things to pay the bills, right? To work. And a lot of times our purpose and, and what we do are not necessarily aligned with that. But I think it's so disparate sometimes that we we lose sight of how could I have have both, right? And yeah, yeah. And, and is it possible to align my purpose and my passion and have the courage to do it and get paid for it? Maybe. 
Maybe not, but sometimes we only think that the outcome has to be the money or it has to be the recognition or it has to be people, people saying it's good, right? And that, that traps us in so many ways because we get scared. We get fearful. And I mean, I don't want to be judged any more than the next person, right? And the, I, the, you know, crossing the line of your comfort zone, that line is really yeah. the line of courage that you have to cross and that is a, uh, brings a lot of anxiety for people, right? So I think it's both external and internal when we're talking yeah. about this, the messages received from other people, and then the messages we tell ourselves, and then there's, you know, it gets all blocked, basically. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, I love this because, you know, we are so often, as you put it so beautifully, worried about judgment, rejection on it. Mm -hmm. uh, embarrassment, not enough, whatever that looks like for people. Mm -hmm. But you know, what's fascinating about it is, you know, I was watching the, the, do I guess, I don't know if it's a documentary or, but it was a story of um, Venus and Serena Williams and their dad. Mm -hmm. It was, it was on cable or something this weekend. I was really fascinated. I want to watch it. And I was very, very clear as I was watching it. That purpose without passion is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. I wonder, Carrie, if it even is purpose, if it's without passion. And the only reason I bring it up is as I was watching that, um, I had somebody ask me, you know, why did you have that when you were young? Why in your 20s out of the things you could have picked? And I said, they said, was it because you wanted to be number one? I didn't have that same thing that the sisters, you know, the Williams sisters had. I didn't have a dad. But I loved that sport so much. And to play it, I wanted to play people all over the world, you know, and the only way to do that was to compete. Um, honestly, if I had more of a competitive streak in me, I probably would have done a whole lot better. But I just wanted to have fun to a fault. You know, how do you, how are you leading a match 17 to like eight in the Olympic team woman, whatever she was, and then lose the match? But when we make life and purpose about winning and losing, what's the impact of that? Do we put ourselves in the middle of worry? Do we put ourselves in the middle of fear? Do we put ourselves subject ourselves to success or failure what is your sense of this i love the idea can you have purpose without passion that that whole idea can you I think if it's externalized purpose <laughs> i think your question is great i think if you have externalized purpose like other people giving you your purpose and it's hard to have passion around that I don't, I don't think it's true purpose. I also think if it's purpose for the end goal, like I want to make, I don't think money making money is necessarily bad, but if you're like tie your purpose with how much money you're making, and then some, let's say you don't reach your goal, then was it worth it? Or to me, the idea of purpose that's internally driven, the internal thing that keeps, like, I feel like it's like, if you equate it to a fire, right? The purpose is the fire, the thing that gets you up. You have to feed the fire with something so it doesn't go out, right? And I feel like passion is the kindling for that. What, like, I work so hard in my own business. I'll stay up late. I'll make things happen. I'll work so hard. 
it is the best work though that I've ever done. Right. I love it so much that it's worth the pain, right. Of that, of the, of the hard things, or when I work so hard on something and I get someone who gives me like a negative feedback, something negative on my feedback. Um, or someone said something one time about my show, like and criticized one of my things in my, in my show. And I kept thinking like, oh, you didn't like it. You criticize me, but to me that 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 shrinks you right back down because you're thinking, well, am I doing it for you or am I doing it to do it? Am I doing it because it needs to be in the world? Am I doing it because I feel good or I want to have fun or this feels joyful or this feels important? Right? Those are the feelings that are the kindling of passion. I think that drive the purpose rather than the kindling being, do you like it? Does society say it's good? Do you think this should be my purpose? Um, and I'll say in my safety of an easy purpose that everyone will agree that is good, right? And I see this so many times, honestly, when I speak to different groups of people, the people that I speak with are super passionate about their careers and, and what whatever industry they're in. But we also talk about the judgment they receive from society about what they do. And like just recently, I was talking to the Humane Society in Pikes Peak, um, specifically law enforcement animal law enforcement. And we talked about the stereotypes of people being like, oh, you're just a dog catcher, right? Yeah. Like, and then also the people in animal welfare. Oh, it must be nice to be with dogs all day and adopt dogs. And they do not see the complex system that goes along with animal welfare, right? And they just categorize people and demean them. And yet these people are so passionate about what they do, but then, oh, you're just a right. And they reduce. And, and sometimes we then own that reduction. Like, I guess I am just a Right. And that that diminishes why you show up every day. If you're constantly being like, do you understand me? Do you affirm me? Do you think I'm good? Do you understand my job? Because sometimes we have to say, here's what I'm about. Here's what I do. You may not get me yet, but give me some time. Right. And we have to show up to the world, not expecting that immediate gratification or understanding sometimes because we're not going to get it. And that's what I feel like waylays it waylays two things. We it makes it hard to stay focused on our purpose. It diminishes our passion and it diminishes our courage. Mm. And those two things get us stuck. Yeah. And that's what I think about that question. So look, the idea for this, let's talk about where the idea for this show came from, because it's a beautiful story. And I'm really, I, I was really blown away. First of all, Scarlett Johansson or Scarlett Johansson depends on where you're from right. black widow uh played the character black widow in all the marvel won a people's choice award now the character black widow is no longer existing because they killed her off in the movie and anybody that followed this knows that but she got this people's choice award for black widow uh she's a woman she produced this film and when she accepted the award, I was really struck by what she said. And it's a lead into why you decided to do this show on this topic. She didn't talk about thank you and blah, blah, blah. She said, I wanted to bring heart to this character. And I didn't know if I would be able to create this character that people would come to love. She said something like that. I don't have her exact clip. clip. She didn't, she talked about her role as Black Widow in a very purposeful way. 
She didn't, it wasn't just about, oh, I'm an actor and I'm going to play this role. She, she wanted to bring something to life that was inside of her. Mm-hmm. Now you were looking at this today because something touched your heart. Tell us about that. Yes. And I love the lead into like what touches us, right? What motivates us? What gets us at the core versus what should get us? We all know when we have those feelings of like uh, that, I call it the spark that in me, it lives right here that like, oh, I'm excited about that. Oh, I want to follow that or pursue that. It's a intrigue and it's beyond I'm an actress and I want to be a star in a movie, right? I want to bring this character to life that's so much different than I want this to make a million dollars or whatever. So for me, for me, the reason, um, something that touched me recently is I was watching um, the movie on Netflix called Tick, Tick, Boom. And it is the story of Jonathan Larson, who was a lyricist, composer, and he really wanted to produce something for Broadway. And it's about him turning 30 and it's semi-autobiographical, autobiographical. And the movie just struck me so much because it really showed how someone in their 30s, I think I related so much to like, am I going to be successful? Am I going to make it? And I remember my 30th birthday being like, oh my gosh, I'm 30. How did that happen? I've done nothing yet. I've done everything, right? It's it's a real big moment. And I think too, because now that I just turned 50, I had that similar kind of feeling, that marker in time. So in this movie, he's turning 30. And it's showing he works at a diner. He's been working on this Broadway musical called Superbia. And honestly, it's the music is great. And he's really can't stop writing and thinking about it. Right. But he's working at a diner to make ends meet and nobody is buying his stuff. No, everyone says it's great, but no one wants to produce it essentially. And it's interesting because, you know, the end of that movie, what his agent says, you know, it was great. You did great at the reading, but write about something, you know, is what she says to him. Cause this superbia is about aliens and other things happening. She goes, Jonathan, write about something, you know, and in that moment, he, he when he's like, Oh, this should be my moment, you know, and it wasn't, but yet he keeps writing. Right. And he's alive in the nineties. And this is after the movie ends. And in real life, he's alive in the nineties and he's seeing the AIDS epidemic come up. He's seeing, Um, sexuality come up. He's seeing poverty. He's seeing social ideas around wealth and poverty and um, rights and health and all these things come up. So he starts to write about what he knows and he creates this musical called Rent. And he writes these amazing songs and he's just about to get it to its Broadway, its off-Broadway premiere. The night before it's like gonna be huge, right? And he dies the night before the preview, the, the night, and I, I, my heart just broke in a million pieces because what would it be like to strive and yearn and create, even in the face of rejection, even in the face of hardship, even in the face of like, he couldn't give up on his dream at the expense of he had to live in a horrible apartment. <laughs> he had to be poor and he saw his friends like living in nice places, having things, right? And he it was great because the movie showed the struggle with that. He wasn't like, I'm fine being a starving artist. He was like, I'm struggling with being a starving artist. I might give up. And the thing that it made me realize when I thought about Rent, so Rent went on to be a hugely international successful Broadway musical. It actually changed the face of Broadway. Yeah. Um, it became rock opera, became a, a yeah. term. And it was his singular work that changed Broadway forever. It was one musical that 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 line in the sand then shifted what was possible 
And that made people like, like Lin-Manuel be able to do his kind of work and Hamilton, right? And all this stuff. So what, what I thought about when I saw that was like, oh my gosh, he lived so on purpose, but he never saw the outcome of his effort. And how many times do we strive for a purpose only for the outcome? We want the outcome, right? And what keeps you going when it's tough, when you get rejected, when it feels all is lost? Some of us can't just not do the work. And his story just touched me so much because it comparison now with Stephen Sondheim just passed at 91 and he had a long, incredible, illustrious career in Broadway. And I kept thinking of this juxtaposition between these two men, one who died at 35 with one singular Broadway show and one who died at 91 with a huge amount of work. Right. And the thing that I compared about both of them is they both lived on purpose and one did not stop because of rejection and perceived failure. And one did not stop because of perceived success and accolades because Stephen Sondheim could have said, listen, I've written a million of these. I got every award in the world. I got my name on a bunch of theaters. I'm wrapping it up. I'm rich. I'm famous. I've done it. Everyone has a lot of songs because of me. You're welcome. I'm done. But he didn't because it was more than those successes and accolades that kept him living on purpose. So when I juxtapose these two people, it really struck me, yeah. you know, this message of what does it mean to live on purpose? And I thought this story was an idyllic way to think about these two men doing the same thing, having very different experiences, but both living on purpose. I love that you did that. And I love the example you gave. Uh, I want to talk with you about it more when we come back. Because what if we could remove the shackles that we put on our purpose? What if we could do that? What if there was a way, as you talked about, and this is in the body of work that you do with people, you know, because purpose has a mental, an emotional, a spiritual, all those elements. Mm -hmm. We feel it. We think it, we rise up for it. And sometimes when we are on the edge of failure, which I am very familiar with, we say, hello, are you watching me here? Could you just give me a little hand or something? Hello, can you do that? When we come back, 2022, our theme for 2022, um, I get, I'm getting teased about this, but it's very powerful for us, Jessica, myself, and Linda. Every year we have a theme. And our theme, it could have been all about the network. And we looked at each other and we said, no, we've got to give back. 2022, it's all about you. It's all about you, Carrie Knudsen. What can we do to support you better? It's all about you, all of you listening. You know, our membership will give you gifts every month to help you rise up. It's all about you, all the hosts and producers. Benny, it's all about you because this is a time now where we have to remove the shackles of fear of purpose. When we come back, I'm hoping you're going to help me out here. I'm hoping you're going to help me out. Carrie, how do people find out about you? Let's, let's let folks know. I love this topic. I love the way you're talking. And that example, I'm just holding back the tears on that one. Oh my God. How do we find out about you? 
you can go to knutsonspeaks.com. It's K-N-U-T-S-O-N.com. Or I'm on any social media channel under Knutson Speaks. And really the, the work that I do, what I love is the reason my company is Knutson Speaks is because not only do I train podcast, I have a show, um, a one woman stage show, but I, everything I do involves uh, like taking a psychology and applying it to real life and find, so you can see all the kinds of things I do on social media. And I feel again, part of my purpose was saying, I'm going to be Knutson and speaks. I'm going to do this in my own way. And the way that, so when you say, wait, you got a show and you do coaching and you do presentations. What? <laughs> yeah. I do. Those are, that's, that's me showing up with purpose. So that's where you can find me. And that's what I'm about. I love it. And don't you love it when somebody says to you, what are you doing next year, Carrie, Pat, where are you finding the time to do that? Why are you so passionate about bringing the network to more people, more countries? What's in it for you? That is the question that puts like fire breathing dragon stuff. If you ask Jessica, why are you working 60 hours out of the week? What's in it for you? The answer you'll get is we are in service of others. When we come back, can you be purposeful in your life? Hang on to it. And what if your purpose may change? What if all of a sudden you cannot play ping pong anymore? because your boss threatened not to give you a promotion until you got your degree. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. <laughs> your own innate brilliance already lives inside of you. Come discover it so you can shine brightly in this world. Join me, your host, Adrian Cobb, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern during Wild Magic on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get answers to who you are and where you belong. To learn more about me and the show, visit MyWildMagic.com. Again, that's MyWildMagic.com. Welcome to Soul Activation Podcast, a world-class broadcast of insight and inspiration with the renowned healer and coach, Suzanne Alexandria. In this series, she dives deep into the magical sea of you, to the place in you that's ready to activate. Tune in live every second and fourth Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy Ober. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy Ober. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link 
that says recovery recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Jane Mack, and I'd love to tell you about the latest technology of the Valara Company. I've been using the Valara Company equipment, the air machines, since 1992, and I have found them to be totally successful in killing mold, mildew, and keeping your house fresh and clean. If you'd like more information on it, you can look at MaryJaneMack.com or call our office at 888-777-4232. Are we going to are we going to bring disco back? Hey, everybody. Everybody. Broadway. Uh, That's Broadway. No, keep, I know. I'm just focused, like, Dr. Pat. I was very good. Broadway. Um, oh, my gosh. I so miss Broadway. Carrie Knutson is joining me here today. This is her show, Get Big Out Loud with Carrie, living the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life. Some of the things I didn't say about Carrie, which I want to mention for a minute, is when you meet someone like, like Carrie, and you take her professional career, the world of psychology, emotional intelligence, she is an expert at that. And then you take a look at who she is as she directed and stars in a one woman storytelling show, Ain't Never Met a Stranger, which I, I don't know if she's gonna go do that thing again, but I hope so. And then she shows up and does this show because this is of service. So we're going to talk about not just that, but can you, can you carve out something where you can honor where you are right at this moment? Can you honor this today? And if you cannot, can we help you today? Give us a call, 1-800-930-2819, one 800 9302819 This is like powerful. You're setting us up for 2022. You know. Mm -hmm. Um I think talking about purpose is one of the most important conversations that people can have. If you all don't have a coach, if you need someone to help you with this, get a hold of Carrie. You might be afraid to talk about it. You might already be preconceived as a failure for something which you haven't even identified yet. And we want to tell you you're not, right, Carrie? Not a failure. No. And I want to speak to that real briefly because I, I think the idea of being successful at whatever you decide you want to do is usually based on outcomes, not effort. And sometimes you can't control the outcome. You can always control the effort. And I think that idea of I failed because I didn't reach this marker of success, whether that's external or internal, but sometimes we forget like, oh my gosh, but look how far I did come. And sometimes even the smallest bit of measurable success is, is our effort, right? To get us there. And this to me, like you, when I think about the watching the movie, like Tick, Tick, Boom, or, or seeing people, they don't write the song and be like, oh, look, it's perfect. Look, I just wrote, there's like, you know, they, they come up, there's an idea that Jonathan Larson had, then he writes something, then he tries to get a lyric and then it's awful. And then he changes it again. And then someone sings it. He has a different realization. It's evolving. 
right? Just like a song evolves and then we hear it and we think, oh, that song's always existed like that, per, pure perfection. And no one says, man, I bet there were hundreds of hours that went into just what word would go there or how to score this part, or if we should repeat this line or not, or this doesn't quite work with the key change or whatever you're going to say about. And that's how I think we equate that. We expect to just show up and be like, look, look, it's all perfect. And we never see the effort and sometimes the outcome is not what we want. Other people don't like it. It's not what we even hoped it would be. But I think you cannot lose if you go back and look at your effort as a measure of success. And I think that idea, instead of outcome always being the measure of success, if you thought about effort, you could reframe a lot of things in your life. And you could also see, as everyone knows, but it's hard to, to internalize, even me, I hate this part, failure is part of the growth process. We actually have to acknowledge that, can I fail? Can I fail well, right? Can I cross the line of my comfort zone to actually put myself in situations where I might fail? What did I learn from it, right? And failure in quotes to me is like, is it an abject failure or parts of it are failures, right? So we have to be willing to fail to, to put ourselves further out there and to be successful. And that again, that like, keeps us real small because we want safety, we want comfort, we wanna know it's all gonna turn out. We wanna hear the song when it's done, <laughs> not on the rewrites or as my mom, this always makes me laugh when I was taking violin. When you first learned how to play violin as a child, it sounds horrible. Oh my it, God, I played viola. Oh, so you know, it sounds like something, some strange alien is dying, right? It's no good. And my mom's like, I cannot tolerate this. How soon till you get good is what she said. How soon do you get good? And my dad was a music teacher, so he knew, right? But my mom was like, I cannot. It sounds awful. And it did, right? I appreciated her honesty. But it's that always makes me think about, you're never going to get good unless you play the first rotten note, right? And you're never going to get good unless you play the second one. Sometimes you have to start to get better, right? And starting's not always pretty or glamorous. And I think too, every start that I've made, I look back to my first presentation. I, I keep it on my hard drive on my computer so because I open it up sometimes because it makes me wince when I see how poorly produced it is compared to my standards now but I always thank that first presentation because without the first one I wouldn't got the second one or right now the hundredth or the two hundredth one I needed that not very great presentation <laughs> that makes me cry. like I literally look at it like this and like what were you thinking oh but my god I know I did that that I grew and I changed that was a success because of my effort right oh my so god those are some examples you know, you're so right about that because I have never forgot my first, let's just call it my first like professional presentation. Cause I think that's what you're talking about. I mean, we're presenting all the time in our lives, but there's that one time that you're asked to present and I will never forget this because it could have stopped me from ever speaking again. First of all, I started as a kid, but that wasn't the issue. I went through early menopause and I'm given this presentation in a pink shirt that completely pitted out in front of a room of men executives. And, and honestly, anybody that knows what I'm talking about knows you can't control it. There isn't any amount of any deodorant that you're going to use. But see, that could have been my end game. But let's just talk about Yoda for a minute. Because I was reminded of this this weekend. I 
I work on computer stuff and I got the TV and the radio going. The greatest teacher failure is. Do you know how many people wanted me to change the signature question of the show from what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail because it wasn't positive? I don't know. Help me. How do we skirt around the lessons we get from failure, the stamina and the resilience it builds? Because I don't know if you quit playing the violin at that point, but I could feel you on that. And, you know, there's nothing more disappointing than you finally learning a song and you play it for your family and you play the viola which doesn't have a, I mean, you could play jingle bells and it sounds like, because eh, 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 you're not playing the main melody. <laughs> and your dad says, how much money are we paying for those lessons? But look, we could either throw the towel in or not. Let's get right to that point. Can we? Yes, because here's the, here's the point I want to make. There is a cost to following or not following like your passion, right? And the cost might be like, like literally, like how much are we paying for this? We can't afford it. You're not getting good fast enough. You're done, right? Another person can make that choice for you, but it's really the personal cost, I think, of deciding not to follow it or follow it both both ways because it comes at a cost. Following your passion comes at a cost. Not following it comes at a cost. So you're gonna pay either way, I think. But the idea of that that it's not worth it is something we have to get over or that I don't want to fail in the process is is something we have to get over because a lot of times we don't give ourselves credit enough for the small starts that it takes or to be a beginner again or to say I had a friend these are two friends that I have that had interesting things one friend just declared I'm an artist <laughs> she's like I'm an artist and Meanwhile, she had been like a librarian and a stay-at-home mom and worked at a, a museum and all that. But in her heart, she's like, I am an artist. So I'm going to produce art. I'm going to learn about it and I'm going to do it. And then she just posted recently, this year was my first time as a full-time artist, right? And it's only because she one day said, wow. I'm an artist. Wow. I love she it. Sold anything or done anything, had to create her great canvas work. All It started with a simple statement. I am an artist. And owning that put her on a journey, right? It's a trajectory. And I had another friend working in corporate world, knew she was a gardener, <laughs> knew it. Took her 12 years to figure out like, I really wanna be a gardener and I wanna do this work, right? I want to work to make the world a more beautiful place. But it that tiny voice that said, I know my purpose, <laughs> right? Versus the societal voice of you should do this. You're going to give up all this, yeah. right? That's the juxtaposition or it's not somehow worthy enough. And that's again, the price for admission to either do your purpose or don't because doing it is going to cost you something, right? The judgment of others, the embarrassment, the potential fear, but not doing is it might cost you a lifetime of regret, of sadness, of heartbreak, of only if, right? Or the security that I call again, the illusion of safety, you feel safe, but something is wrong, yeah. right? Because you're not living on purpose and you know it. So the days and years drag on, and then you have your midlife crisis and be like, ah, and, and we're not supposed to live like that. That's why I feel it's so extreme. You either are all in or you're all out, whatever. Part of me is like, you can still do your day job and also have a passion. And maybe you can blend those and maybe you can't but you can still live on purpose no matter what you are doing. 
And that part, I think we forget because we get into the grind and we get into what we should do and we have to do. And sometimes we, like you said, my intention to get through this day. My intention in the moment might be to get through this day, but my purpose is bigger than the moment. My purpose is again driving me, and the passion for that is the kindling that keeps the purpose alive. So it's an all, it's an interplay. There is a cost to pursue it, but there is a cost not to. And Can you that- talk more about that for a minute? Because I think that point right there is so important. And I love that you're bringing it up because I don't know about you, but every once in a while I'll get hit up beside my head by either somebody I know or saying to me, hello, you're so busy and you're so busy. And we have to really, we have to talk to our producers, like when they answer the phone, like not to, to say, well, she's so busy and Jessica's so busy because we don't see our lives like that, mm-hmm. you know, and, but there's a cost. And so for those of us, we think about our passion all the time. We think about how to make it better. Like Jessica came up with a brilliant idea that we're going to launch soon, right? So we're thinking about it. We're in that zone of it. Mm-hmm. I think about, <laughs> sorry, I'm going back to New Jersey and there's a tournament at the club that I learned how to play. Now the club has changed. The players have changed. But there's a tournament on the day I'm leaving to come back home. And so I just thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool to play in a tournament at a place that I played my first tournament? Mm -hmm. Now, that makes no logical sense to anybody. But can you talk about the energy of feeling purpose, feeling Mm -hmm. it? Can you talk to that? Yes, I can, because that's the, that is to me, you can call it intuition. You can call it spark. You can call it a zhuzh. Again, I say, I feel it right here when my heart goes like, and I know I want to pursue something because my internal feeling before my brain can even get there. My body's like, you want to do that. And then what happens is my brain's like, no, you can't. You're too too fat. You can't figure that out. You haven't done that before. Who would say that? Like, so my brain is like squishing it, The, the little, the little spark came up. It legitimately came up. And we all know when we feel that, right? So that is such a good point. Our body sometimes knows before we cognitively know, like our feeling. And if we can trust that, that little bit of like, and then I always say, don't blow out the candle after you just lit it. Like light the glow candle, like the little spark happened. And there's this tiny gentle flame. Don't be like, you're dead to me. Like, don't blow it out, protect it and be like, oh, this is this is interesting. And then you might just explore one small thing related to that or notice like, oh, I'm noticing I'm having a lot of fear around this. Oh, I'm noticing this. If you just notice without, you don't have to believe everything you think, right? And also you don't have to say like, I have to have the whole plan worked out. Like you don't have to say like, well, I want to play in that tournament. (gasps) And then you say, oh, I can't because I haven't been there in a while and I'm older now. And then, then I was a champion before. What if I'm not now? What will people say? Oh, that lady's back. Like you could make up a million stories that would be like, and you won't show up on that day to be like, Hey, want to play some ping pong? Because it will simply bring you joy. Yeah. And it's simply fun. And again, the purpose is different than the outcome. Yeah. And we have to get the difference of that. And Mm -hmm. you have to get your head straight on in terms of, I do not have to believe everything I think. And I can notice, Oh, there I go again, getting into my perception of safety by saying why it won't work 
And then your courage comes in to be like, oh, hang on, fear. We see you there and you have a lot of good points. They're very valid. You don't have to go anywhere, but like, Kurt, I'm going to take up some more space here because I got to protect this little bit of like, I got to protect it. I don't know where we're going with it, but it's lit. So now we need to we need to follow it a bit. So you stay in your space, right? And that's the kind of the interplay. And we want it to be easy. We want it to be like, I want to do that thing. I'm going to do it. Look, I'm a success. And we wish it would unfold that way. But every single person listening around knows in your life, Anything you've done, anything at all, you can see the step setbacks, you can see the detours, you can see where it didn't work out as planned, you can see that it took you longer than you thought, even if you got to your goal, you can see that maybe not getting there was better than actually getting there, right? You can look back on your life and that is so crystal clear, but somehow when we face this way, we're like, no, it better be like perfect and easy and doable, go. (laughs) Well, you know, let's talk about this because you're going to share something with us, right? Um, you're going to talk, you're going to share a little bit about what matters to us. And, and also you have something also, I don't know if you're going to sing it or read it, but to talk about no day, but today from rent, right? A friend of mine put it, well, actually not a friend, one of my mentors when she was alive, she said, purpose is like, I'm going to get the fish wrong. It's a fish. It's this fish. And I was going to say blowfish, but it's not that fish. It's the fish that is so delicious. That's a delicacy. But if not prepared properly, it kills you. So that was her metaphor. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was what. And, you know, and I would just. have a metaphor for. For, for living your purpose. She and said, if you're not. You. Well, her point was this. If you're not willing to take risks to enjoy something absolutely delicious, something you absolutely love, right? Mm -hmm. And you'll let fear control everything in your life. Will you be happy at the end of it? I never forgot that question because it took me a while to really figure that out. But you're here to talk about for us now in closing, you know, what is it we tell ourselves what is it that holds us back? But what is it that inspires us more than anything? Anything. Well, and I love what you said. I, I want I want to just go back to one thing. I think there's a difference between fear and danger. And you have oh, yeah. to understand that difference, right? So if you're going to about to eat a poisonous fish, that's dangerous, right? Yeah. If you're fearful of trying fish, that's different, right? Yeah, and so- yeah. The idea of fear and danger and like not being driven by that fear because it will be present, right? And it will be there. But the cost of not getting in the ring, like Brene Brown says, like get in the ring, right? Like the idea of getting getting in there, doing something towards that, even if you don't know the outcome, even if the if people are like, why or what are you doing? Or even if it's your hobby, even if it's your side thing, whatever it is, having some part of that in your life to me, I believe that's what makes life worth living. I believe that's what takes us out past paying our mortgages and our bills and being worried about things. I believe the purpose of life is to share your purpose with others. So if you're not, I feel like the world is missing out on something that only you can give. And it's basically waiting, right? Somebody is waiting for that. Like somebody needs that. You need to express that. And even like in the Jonathan Larson story, his need to express that wasn't met with like, yay, we're ready for you. The world was not ready for Jonathan Larson until it was. And then when it was, it was in a big way, 
right? And because of he didn't stop producing, we were able to, he was able to meet that, right? The world yeah. then was ready and it opened up. But the idea of stopping just because you're not a success commercially or otherwise is so we have to keep that, I think, and, and again, keeping that flame and keeping it protected. That is not the point. Yeah. The point yeah. is to live your purpose. The point is to show up and and to do that because it give, brings us edification, right? And really, I think it's the most basic display of love we can give ourselves and the world. Right? I, I love it. And, you know, the confusion is between selfish and selfless. And, you know, you have for today in closing, you wanted to share a little bit about the song. I love this topic, yes, Terry. Please tell people how they can work with you. Please tell people how they can find out more about you. And then you're going to share a little bit about no day, but today. Right. And I'm going to look it up on my phone just so I can, um, so I can't look it up on the computer at the same time. Um, yeah. I totally understand that issue. Yep. It's like the first time I fell off a horse when I was uh, eight years, nine years old, horseback riding. And my, and my uh, coach trainer said, get back on the horse. Mm -hmm. Get back on, <laughs> right? <laughs> he didn't say, how are you? He said, get, a, get back on that horse. All right, you ready? Okay, yes. So here's, here's what I love, because Jonathan Larson was prophetic, I feel like, in what he was actually trying to say. Yeah. And this is how he said it. There's only us. There's only this, forget regret, or life is yours to miss. No other path, no other way, no day but today. And then he goes on to say, the, I love this next part. I can't control my destiny. My, I trust my soul. My only goal is just to be. And then give in to love or live in fear. No other path, no other way, no day but today. And you can look at that song and it just, to me, it just oh, resonates wow. with everything in my being. And I thought oh. that was a good way. And I stepped outside my comfort zone to sing a little bit. Um, but yeah. I think it's powerful Beautiful. when you sing it and you hear those words. Carrie, thank you so much for this. Please, I think we got a few seconds left. Give out your website. Let folks know how they can work with you. Um, and thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Pat. It's a pleasure. You can find me on KnutsonSpeaks.com or on any social media channel. You can reach out to me if you want coaching, if you want a presentation for your group, if you want it for your organization. I do customized trainings. I have a list of topics on my website. I'm developing new ones all the time to match the needs of the moment. Like now I'm doing one on thriving through change and how we show up to the world. And um, again, when, when COVID is over and I feel safe to have people in the theater, I will be doing my one woman show again. And that hopefully will be in the spring, but that's, that's another way I'm putting stuff out in the world. So reach out to me if I can be of service to you in any way at all. You have been listening to Get Big Out Loud Radio, where we explore the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life with me, Carrie Knutson, joining Dr. Pat live every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I will help you to know which thoughts are keeping you small in order for you to get big. Get big and live your life out loud. For more information, visit KnutsonSpeaks.com.